We will need eyes to see. Get you, Barbara. Welcome to the Lunch Bill Boys. I'm one of the hosts, TJ Harkness. Also on here, it's a surprise. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it surprised my groin tonight. Uh, all the way from Russia, not the Eddie, but Jake on. Oh, it's so great to be here drinking vodka. That is the worst fucking Russian I've ever heard in my life. I will break you. Like, what the fuck? I sounded more like Arnold there than I did Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, you sounded more of like a, some of that uh, Austrian. Yeah, no, nah, it, it wasn't very good. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you doing, Jake? Oh, uh, you know, it's good to be back with Lunch Pail Boys talking uh, spoopy stuff. So uh, I'm doing great. I uh, just... Uh, had a had a long week, even though it was a short week. And, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, ready to talk about, you know, the things you uh, don't want to find out underneath TJ's bed. So, what? Uh, I a know condom? you got. I know you got some weird shit down there. Condoms. I know you got some weird shit down there. Bananas, cucumbers. Uh, let's just say me and the Matt Shades found a little something one time when we were a uh, dog sitting in your house one time. Oh my God. What the fuck? Jesus, Pete. Okay. <laughs> yep. Well, that is not what we're talking about tonight. Um, <laughs> oh, really? I mean, that'd be a good, that'd be a good topic. Nope. Nope. It wasn't. Nope. <laughs> nope. 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 <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about missing 411. A lot of you may know 411, um, but I know a lot of the listeners won't. So we're going to start here, and this will be about a first episode. And then throughout the year, we're going to periodically release other uh, 411 episodes. Those who don't know what the fuck 411 is probably thinking, what the fuck is that shit? Right, Jake? You will, yeah. I mean, and before we even get into it, I just want to say this was the number one topic when we were first talking about doing this podcast. This was one of the biggest episodes I wanted to do because I think it's one of the scariest topics I've ever I've ever dived into. Yeah, it's and this is we're going to go through oh three well-known instances but 411 is about a well people disappearing in national parks u.s wilderness there's no good reason why these people disappear a lot of them aren't found so we're not going to be talking about people disappearing in urban areas cities you know shit like that this is primarily focused oh that monster can just made noises at me Uh, i heard that (laughs) It's the ghost in it saying, get ready for the heart attack. <laughs> enjoy the enjoy the bull piss. <laughs> so according to the National Crime Center Information Center, Jesus, the NCIC, between 2007 and 2020, 
an average of 664,776 missing person records annually were entered into the NCIC. That's a big fucking number. But this number's also skewed because uh, the way they count these uh, sometimes missing people. Mm-hmm. So if a kid runs away, say six times in one year, it's the same kid, right? Right. But like say it's mi- the kid's missing for an extended period of time, but it's the same kid running away each time. Well, this, the NCIC numbers count it as six almost like six different people ran away i was diving down a rabbit hole um i can't i couldn't find it again but basically the article i read was like the numbers are skewed just because of that fortunately many missing children and adults are quickly found alive and well right however tens of thousands of individuals remain missing for more than a year many agencies consider cold cases. Uh And and Jake, get this. After 10 years, the people are no longer considered missing in the NCIC. Interesting. Yeah. Why? (laughs) Who came up with a decade? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's more or less just to clear the books. Yeah, that's crazy. So. So they declare them deceased? Yep. Okay. It is estimated that 4,400 unidentified bodies are recovered each year, with approximately 1,000 of those bodies remaining unidentified after one year. Today, we're going to primarily focus on a small snippet of these missing people. But the difference is, like I stated earlier, these people are going missing in national parks. Yeah, like it's not like we're talking about the Bermuda Triangle or anything. You know, or like some random island. We're talking about national parks, like places you pay to go into. Not only that, national parks, national wilderness areas, uh, heavily wooded areas. So, like, we have the Indiana, the Hoosier National Forest. That could be considered one. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like, uh, I can't remember. I think David Politis, the guy that we'll talk about here in a minute. Um. He mentioned that there are over 52 clusters within the United States of where people go missing. Yeah. Which is, fuck that shit. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, and me knowing what we're about to get into after hearing some of these, like, accounts, I sometimes, like, you know, it's like my fiance loves to go to national parks it's like her thing and there's no way i could tell her this stuff because it it would absolutely terrify her because it's it makes me weary of going into national parks but yeah dude i'm looking forward to this one i go camping by myself yeah i i don't i can't believe you for that i go hiking by myself i stay at the treehouse down in Brown County by myself, you know, and this scares the shit out of me. Yeah. Tell me, do you remember the first time you heard about a missing 411, Jake? Well, it was definitely coast to coast, like Mm -hmm. a lot of our topics come up through. 
um, I remember you told me, you said, because I was kind of off and on on coast to coast at one point, because me and TJ used to work together and he, he would let me listen to his coast to coast account. And he would always tell me, Hey, you need to listen to this episode. I just listened to it. It's really good. Cause I wouldn't listen to it religiously every day. Yeah. I would, you know, go off and on on it, but he, you told me you were like, you gotta listen to this David Politis. I'm talking about this four one one missing four one one thing, and plus George Knapp does mm. the interview and everything with him, which George Knapp's my favorite on Coast to Coast. Yeah, but uh, I listened to it and I was just hooked. I was <laughs> like, this is crazy. Like I've never never been so infatuated with something that was, I mean, I'm going to say there's some sort of paranormal element to this, what we're going to talk about, but not everything is coincided with every event that was talked about within this research that David Politis did. But this was, this was introduced to me about, I don't know. It was probably like 2011, 2012, probably around that time. 2012. Yeah, I remember it was it was about 10 years ago, and, and I know every time I haven't re-updated my coast to coast account in a while, I'm going to again. But I, you know, every time that they, they always have like a refresher. Like I think they have them on every year. Yeah. And uh, I try to listen to that episode without a doubt every year. So yeah. um, just because I want to hear, he, I mean, there's always new missing persons cases and I want to hear what the weird ones are. So dude, there's so fucking many. That's why we're going to have to do this like in a series of episodes that take place throughout the year. Yeah. Cause I mean, I pulled three for this one and it's, and I, Stuck with three because I don't want to bore everybody with just me talking the whole time about the cases. Right. I heard them. The first time was like March 2012. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, I was cleaning the dorm and all that. And I, I got goosebumps. Listen to this. Cause I was, you know, in the habit of going camping a fuck ton. Yeah. It's just. I was like, shit, you know, a lot of this stuff I did on my own. Like like I said, the camping, the hiking. Granted, I do carry my shotgun with me. There's hunters, and that's something we'll get into a later episode. Hunters that go missing. You know, people that's hunted for 30, 40, 50 years that's gone missing. Yeah. And it still freaks me out a little bit when I go down, like say when I go to our property in Brown County and... It's, uh, you know, you go out to take a shit in the middle of the night and it's pitch black and you're there by yourself. You're like, fuck, is this my time? <laughs> I'm not joking, dude. That scares me. Would that that'd be a shitty way to go? Um, nah. that, that's for Burton. Yeah, because Burton would come up with a, a pun like that. I mean, like I, I was telling Skylar, I told you before about it, uh, one time I was out there and Zelda was with me and I went to take a piss off the porch 
So I'm over there pissing. And I was thinking about going to take a shit. And all of a sudden you heard like this ear rattling, goose bump inducing scream from the woods. Yeah. Granted, it was probably about two miles away, two or three miles away. But it was loud enough that like the echoes had strength behind it. Uh-huh. And I seen Zelda, who's a dog that is not scared of anything. Yeah. She fucking stuck her tail between her legs and tried to go over to the well, hid behind me initially, and then the second scream, she went over to the door of the treehouse and started pushing on it, running her head into it to try to get the door open. Yeah. And it was hard too. It wasn't like she was, you know, trying to nudge it. She was running into that motherfucker to get in there. Right. So the stories and what we're about to tell you is, you know, if you love being outdoors and you don't want to be scared shitless when you're outdoors, uh, listen to another episode. You don't have to listen to this. I don't, you know, it ain't worth fucking up, you know, somebody's, you know, passion. Yeah, but to be fair, though, too, a lot of people listen to this to get a thrill, too. So, I mean, maybe they want to know. Yeah. I mean, I I would I still go out in the woods. I do too. It just <laughs> I was gonna do this episode outside, and I live you know semi rural area. Uh huh. And I was like, you know what? Besides getting my ass eaten up by mosquitoes, I'm like, I'll just do this inside the safety of my own home. Yeah, it is nice. It's, it's you're, We're starting to get that fall feeling, though, outside right now. Uh, I don't know, dude. It's, you know, it's hotter than fuck up here. Yeah. It's like 80s and sticky, and the mosquitoes are sitting there just, mm, they're eye-fucking you when you walk past them. Oh. Uh, are you sure those are mosquitoes, or? Yeah, yeah. They bite and suck. Huh. So, <laughs> sounds like the brass flamingo. Brass flamingo. That's a strip club in Indianapolis. Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> they had the buffet, didn't they? No, that's not the one with the buffet. What's one with the buffet that I went to? I can't remember. Is that the one that our old pal Jimmy went to, used to go to? Uh, yeah. The Garter? I don't remember what it's called. I just remember they had a buffet. <laughs> and the buffet was decent, but I just like... <laughs> Like, there are people eating food sitting up next to the stage, and I'm like, there's titties flopping out in front of me, and you're sitting there chowing down on hush puppies and fucking fried chicken? <laughs> yep. That's that's a, that's a business right there, TJ. And I don't even like strip clubs, I meant. No. I went there for the buffet. I didn't, I don't feel like wasting fucking money, you know? You just went for the buffet. I, I was told it was an awesome buffet, and it was decent. It wasn't good enough to go back. <laughs> Do you find some hair in your food? No, no. <laughs> David Politis is the creator and founder of Missing 411. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also a well-known squatcher. So I didn't know he, that. Yep. Yeah, that's how he got his... That's how he started on Coast to Coast AM was he was... He's... Pretty well known for squatch hunting. I, I didn't know that. Which makes me question: He's has he been on the Jake's tail before? Yeah, I I've never met him. Have you seen him following you in the woods? Nope, not at all. Mm. 
<laughs> never heard of such person. <laughs> never, <laughs> never, never, uh, never greeted such a person before in my life. It's me, JD McNugent. <laughs> we, me and TJ love quoting a movie called Safe and Silverman. It's, it's one of our favorites. David has created two documentaries and had several appearances on radio shows, daytime talk shows, and podcasts regarding his findings for Missing 411. David has also been on a late-night talk show, Rounds. Um, He was on uh, Coast to Coast. When we first heard him, he was on Coast to Coast AM. I actually heard about him with Squatching, but like I said, first time we heard him talk about Missing 411 was March 25th, 2012, with George Knapp. Mm -hmm. It was a Sunday evening. Frequently, I didn't listen to that night, like Sunday nights. I'd always always listen to it the next day during work. Yeah. And so David spoke about how he became interested in this, like, initial interview, um, how he became interested and involved with these low-profile cases of missing people in the national forest and parks. Prior to, well, he was doing this, he was squatching a little bit, but prior to being involved in Missing 411, David was a cop. In 1977, he began a 20-year career in law enforcement, transferring in 1980 to San Jose Police Department, working the patrol division, their SWAT, and also their like detectives and street crimes units. Uh-huh. In 96, this is where I was like, oh, shit, I didn't know this. In 1996, while working as a court liaison officer uh, in December, Politis was charged with a misdemeanor count of falsely soliciting for a charity. Okay. So basically David asked someone famous. Um, can't remember who the musician was, but he was a famous musician from the eighties. Yeah. Um, he asked him for an autograph and stated it was for a certain charity. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy gave him the autograph for charity. Somebody found out that it didn't actually go to charity. It went to him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And he was charged with a misdemeanor. Wow, I that's I didn't know that could happen. Yeah. Do you know who the artist was? I can't remember now. I uh, I actually pulled up the police report from it. I found it in the depths of fucking online. <laughs> Did you really? You found yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I can find almost anything sometimes. I was gonna say because I, I mean. I guess that's not something he would uh, boast about, but uh, I mean that's 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 kind of an interesting. Uh, I don't know, an interesting law breaking breaking uh, topic there. Yeah. So, David's first appearance on Coast to Coast AM, he spoke about being in Yellowstone Park. David was speaking to a park official about something unrelated. Um, David talked about seeing a few park rangers standing around and talking among themselves, throwing glances at him. David initially thought, man, that's fucking weird. Uh-huh. But he went on with his, with his thing and left. Later that night, David's winding down in a hotel room when there's a knock on the door. It was one of the park rangers he had seen back at the office. So the park ranger starts off with, Mr. Politis, I know who you are. I'm very familiar with your work regarding Bigfoot. 
I've got something that you may want to look into because of who it's happening to and what's being done about it. Uh-huh. So the man told David that uh, he was investigating something for a missing persons through the park. And he said, this happens frequently there. And he said, like, uh, after so long, like, basically they tell him, close up shop. You know, you're not investigating this anymore. Because he said, there's no follow through, no follow up or anything like that after a month or two. He said, you hear about the initial search, and that's typically it. He also pointed out that it's typically within this park. He said, it's happening in other parks, too. So the guy, you know, said, please look into this if you get a chance. So David started looking into it. Um, Jesus, this dude, and you may even remember this, Jake. He talked about how he called up the parks and asked, uh, I think Yosemite, Yosemite or Yellowstone and said, I need the list of all missing persons in the park. And they said, well, we don't keep that. Yeah. Which is fucking crazy. You don't keep a list of the people that's missing in the park. Well, I also remember, and you might be getting to this point. I remember that they were being shady about it too. Yep. Like they didn't want him looking at it. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, he tried calling other other places. Nobody kept a list. So David, being an author of, uh, you know, big dick books, Bigfoot books, sorry. <laughs> Freud and Slip. <laughs> he, uh, being an author, he's like, well, I'll just call and ask for the, um, I'll follow a FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act request. And so he did. And they came back and said, you know, we don't we don't keep them list. We don't have lists like that. Yeah, that's eat up. And sorry folks, I had to pause that. Son came home from the football game, but so yeah, the um oh the the office that dealt with the FOIA request stated that we don't we don't have those lists. They don't keep track. So not only is this coming from the actual park, but now it's coming from the, you know, basically the office of records, right? Right. So David kept on him and he's like, you know, I really need this list. And so they came back and they told him, you know, that's going to be, because he asked for maybe just a list, I think for Yosemite. It was like forty five thousand or something like that. Ooh. No, no, no. It maybe I can't quite remember the number, but it was, it was somewhere in the thousands, okay? Right. And then the next one was like it was gonna be either it was like three hundred, four hundred thousand. Uh huh. <clears throat> and so David messaged him and said or called him and said, Why is it so much? And they said, well, because we got to get supervisors, and then we'll have a person. And they said, and those two people will go to these places and look through all their records. Yep. And then they said, or we'll contract with people, have them do it. And they said, that's how much it cost. Wow. So David was like, well, 
don't I get the uh, oh what's it called? Like basically they'll uh, they'll waive the the fees if you're like an author or something like that. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, they told him no. You're not. Your books aren't in enough libraries to be waived. Okay. How do you even find that out? Well, and that's David because, well, how many books do I need to have? Like, how many libraries do I need to be in before you guys will let me? And they go, right. and they didn't ever answer him back. Right. They were just trying to avoid it. Yeah. So Dave's able to get some stuff, but a lot of his stuff's gotten through like uh, old stories, you know, that he's found people that he's talked to and stuff like that. Right. So it's, they're doing, there's, they're, they're they're keeping it away. They're making it super overpriced, you know. Which, just a reminder for people listening, which you can, of course, like, go find this and listen to it. It's just a lot packed in. I mean, because what we're going into is, like, years and years of, like, episodes. And I haven't even watched the documentary yet. Well, he's got two of them. Uh, there's two documentaries. Yeah, it's almost hard to keep up with. I love keeping up with it, but keep in mind though, we're talking about these are these are national parks. Yeah, and these are these are people that that work for you know essentially you. I mean, you pay taxes for this, like. And this guy is an ex-cop detective, and they're telling him no because they're giving him every excuse in the world. You, you're, you know, you're not a well-known writer. You're not in enough libraries. Okay, like that right there. Not only for this topic, it scares me. It just to me, it's like we live in this country that was kind of like founded on the ethics of the trust of the people. Yeah. And I mean, if you can't even be told like who's, you know, I, I can't, I can't get a list of people that are missing. Like what if you had family that went missing and they went and tell you, uh, we, you know, we can't share any information with you about that. That's, that's kind of messed up. Like, I mean, I, I, why would you hide that? Oh, yeah. And David's had people tell him behind the scenes, no, there are lists. They do keep track of this. They just uh-huh. don't want to take away from the amount of money coming into these places. Or, you know, it's a pride thing, maybe. Or people are responsible and they're not doing their jobs when, you know, things are yeah. happening. That's what concerns me, too, because... And I'm, I don't even know what stories you're about to bring up. There's one in particular that I hope you do bring up when we get to that point, but something's going on where people know about something. Yeah. And whenever this shit happens, when it's like, no, you don't need to know it's for your own good. Like, okay, <laughs> well, I live here. You know, like I, I should know what I'm living with. So, for a case to be looked into by David, and I think it's like the Can-Am Project. Yeah. Which is, 
they look for missing people and shit. Right. The case has to meet certain criteria. Uh-huh. So here are some of the criteria. No suspects on the case. No history of mental illness. No voluntary disappearances. No evidence of animal attack or human predation. How the fuck would you know it was a voluntary disappearance? I meant somebody would probably tell somebody, hey, I'm disappearing, okay. (laughs) I don't get that. Yeah, I don't get that either when he said that. But, so, with these, there are many commonalities between a majority of these cases, regardless of the region. So, with deceased victims that have been found, they were frequently found missing clothing or shoes. So, the clothing thing, I find it, I don't think it's weird. Because, uh, uh, I mean, it's... I get that. Yeah, I get the the hypothermia yeah. things. Once you yeah. you start experiencing hypothermia, you start warming up. You feel like you're warming up. It's the nerve endings and shit, and so you take off your clothes. Right. Um, I think with this though, the weird thing is, um, a lot of times like the clothes are folded up nice and neat. <laughs> so, and the fact that a lot of them don't have shoes on. The shoes part I don't understand because they'll have their shoes elsewhere. And then these people will make these massive fucking, uh, treks mm-hmm. like away from their shoes. They'll be found up the, on top of a cliff, uh, over some rocks, you know, extensive, like, uh, rocks without their shoes. Yeah. The victims are also found in really difficult places to reach. Like a cliff, uh, rock shear, um, really weird fucking places. The victims are also found near creeks, rivers, and other bodies of water with no signs of drowning upon autopsy. And so just sort of to make this, uh, this shit a little bit weirder, <laughs> this is, and this, I was like, whoa, fuck. The majority of the disappearances take place between four or 5 p.m., sometimes a tad later, each, like, on each case, typically. Hmm. Which is fucking odd, dude. Yeah, right before dark. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah. The, uh, the whole, like... The whole finding bodies thing, like, we're... Like there, there's gonna be one I know you're gonna bring up. Uh, I hope about the Boy Scout. No, I'll let you talk about that. What you know of it? Okay. Well, can I go ahead and talk about it? Um. Yeah. Go ahead. So, like one of these cases, David Politis talks about. This was the this was the first one. Like this was, I believe, this is the first episode where he talked about this. And sometimes he brings it up a lot in other ones, but. It was a Boy Scout, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so like they found this Boy Scout went missing. I I couldn't tell you the length of time he was missing or when he disappeared, but when they found his body, wasn't he like in the middle of like a, a like a riverbed, like it was dried out, or 
it was something like that or it was like it was like somewhere where it was like across a body of water where nobody could get to it oh okay if i'm if i'm i i could be completely wrong i could be getting stories mixed up but like the boy scout was found somewhere where nobody like the only way they were able to get to this body is because like the creek bed dried out or something Hmm. and they found like his like his pants were unbuttoned like and i think they were pulled off and they were like found in another place yeah like where it didn't make any sense like it didn't like like the body was found in one place where nobody could get that body to. So like he was kind of like, he was trying to get at that. Like nobody could have murdered this boy and then drug him across this river. Yeah. Because I guess it was an active river and then his clothes were in a different place. So like it couldn't have been him. It's just very strange. Okay. And that, like, I don't know. You'll have to listen to it. I could be way off. I just remembered <laughs> it, just, it. Well, I'm just saying, like, I remembered it disturbed me. Yeah. Like, because that doesn't make any sense. Like, and I I need to, I need to go back and listen to it again. I, I don't like to listen to it. It creeps me out <laughs> because it makes me feel like this is more than uh, like a I don't know. It's more than just a human occurrence to me. Like, I feel like it's beyond us. Oh yeah, dude. That's a lot of these stories. They, um, and I'm not really big in like believing paranormal shit a lot of times, but a lot of these stories will cross that threshold into the paranormal, paranormal realm. Mm -hmm. So the the big story I was going to talk about was, uh, an incident that took place on Mount Shasta. Is it pronounced Shasta or Shasta? I have no clue. I think Shasta makes me sound like a fucking hillbilly, even more than I am. So, it sounds like a gross uh, seltzer that you <laughs> buy. Actually, I think it's a drink, like a soft drink. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. But this incident takes place on Mount Shasta. It all started in September of 2011 when a three-year-old boy and his dog had wandered away from the family. Um they were camping at a, a place near Mount Shasta. Okay. Um, which, Jake, I don't know if you know this, but and I didn't realize this. Apparently, Mount Shasta is known for being like, basically like a weird fucking place. Have you heard of that? No, I didn't know that. So, yeah, I know there's a lot like big dick and sightings and shit like that, UFOs in the sky. Right. But apparently, there's also a lot of like disappearances. Just so you guys know, this is not. This will not be the last time we talk about Mount Shasta. Okay. There's a lot of weird shit that happens here. Actually, I think there's a conspiracy that uh, inside the mountain is like a, there's an entryway into Hollow Earth, uh-huh. and the aliens have their base there. You know, sort of like Dulce. Right. So, as soon as uh, John Doe's family realized he was missing. They contacted the local authorities. Uh, everybody from, like, say, the sheriff's department to volunteer firefighters were searching for this little boy. 
<clears throat> the toddler's dog was found early on in the search, but the condition it was found in didn't exactly leave like the search teams hopeful. Yeah. The dog was soaking wet and had fa- been found curled up and shivering on the banks of a reg- river. Uh-huh. Um, the river was like filled with dangerous rapids, which that would make me think maybe the boy was, you know. You say, did you say dangerous rapids or dangerous rap- rabbits? Yes, yeah, dangerous rabbits. You know, have you seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail? <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> it's got the fangs and the. <laughs> But no, <clears throat> dangerous rapids. So mm-hmm. me, if I was a part of that, you know, my mind would have immediately, and their mind did too, went to that the kid drowned. Right. So as it got further into the night, some of the people worried that the young child had been swept up by the river and pulled in under by the water's undercurrent. About 12.45 a.m., miraculously, with the help of the, the dog, the boy was found hiding in the bush. So, the story at this time was heralded as a major search and rescue success. And let me tell you, the area where they found him, they had already searched through a few times. Uh-huh. So this was going on five hours. So, local news reports covered it extensively, and the nearby McLeod River Lodge offered free hot meals to everyone who participated in the community effort. And of course, nobody was happier than the parent than the boys relieved parents. Right. But let me tell you, this is no simple story with a cookie cutter ending. Three weeks later is when some of the weirdness started happening. Or they started finding out some of the weirdness of the incident. Uh-huh. The boy was talking to his grandma. And out of nowhere, the boy said, I, I don't like my other grandma. The grandma looked at the boy confused and told him, what are you talking about, buddy? I'm your only grandma. And he said, don't you remember when I was lost in the woods? He then stated, well, the other grandma grabbed me and took me to the creepy place. She's really a robot. And he'll go on to talk about like the robot is I, I I see the him saying the grandma was a robot, the one that took him. Yeah. Almost as a oh shit. Something imitating humans. So this seemed a lot like, you know, maybe a doppelganger, but also like unca- the kid the kids uh was seeing like some uncanny valley, you know? Right. The grandma wasn't quite moving how a human would move, you know? Not saying, okay. not speaking how we, how typical humans would speak, you know, cadence and all that. Uh, that which sort of scares me. Is there something out there attempting, uh, imitating humans? Yeah. So I mean, my, my hat's off to the kids. He, he didn't know what Uncanny Valley was, but that's sort of like what the robot description. Right. Was. So the boy went on to tell her it was, quote, it was a cave with spiders. There was purses and guns. I was too scared, so I didn't touch anything. But when she climbed the ladder, the light made her look like a robot. There were other robots, too, but they didn't move. They looked like people. 
How old is this kid? He is three. Okay. So, <clears throat> like, also, like, just because I can kind of assume what maybe what some of the audience might be thinking, it's a kid. Kids have pretty great imaginations. But I'll tell you what, right away, what the the one thing I took from that story that creeps me out the most, it's not even about the robot part, is the purses and guns. So it gets even weird. But purses and guns, yeah, that means other people's been there, you know? Yeah, it, it, it like because I instantly think like that's stolen shit, and it sounds like stuff like like because you think of hunters and stuff, and yep. like yeah. But continue. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're good, dude. So the boy went on to say, "She made me lay lay down to look at my tummy. She told me that I am from outer space, and they put me in my mom's tummy." Then she took me back to the river and said, wait under the bush until someone finds you. So the boy also mentioned, and he couldn't find what details, um, but apparently the boy also mentioned some grotesque details about his other grandma making some really weird requests. The boy's real grandma promptly calls his parents to report the strange story. But his father seemed to think, it was nothing more than a product of a young child's, you know, overactive imagination. Right. So, well, grandmother agreed that it was most likely that case. She later confided on an online forum that she's bothered by the fact that she had a strange experience in that same area just a year earlier. Oh. This is where it starts getting weirder. She was at the campsite and woke up outside of her tent face down in the dirt. She claims to have had a puncture wound in the back of her head and to have fallen after she found the puncture mark and woke up from the ground. She uh, became, they said, violently ill, so pretty damn sick. Right. Shortly after. At first, she thought it was a spider bite and took a very long and it the area where the spider bit, supposedly, it took a very long time to feel normal. A friend of hers who was camping nearby also had the wound on the back of her neck. And she also became violently ill. So, <laughs> this is weird. Uh, so, um, I don't know if this is a grandma or the lady's friend. They stated, I think maybe the lady's friend, but she further claimed that there were red eyes shining through the trees and their flashlights before they went to bed. At first, they thought it was just some deer, but later on, they noticed there was little to no wildlife in the area. Which apparently is a pretty common thing um, around this area. Seems to be really devoid of uh, animals. So, a total lack of wildlife, no squirrels, no birds, not even butterflies or bees. And total silence. Fucking weird. Yeah. So, online commentators have suggested that the other grandma might be a clone of hers via DNA retrieved from the wound on the back of her necks. Or perhaps, and this is fucking weird, a holographic projection. But, again, that's all conjecture. So, right. At the time of the incident, she was forbidden by the parents to ask her grandson about the experience. 
um, primarily out of concern that uh, that she would have uh, unintentionally created a false memory for him. Yeah. Still, she claims the boy repeated the story to her at four and a half years old. At that age, he repeated the story detail, or he reported this, repeated the story detail for detail. Except then, he said the other grandma took him into the dungeon instead of the cave. So ultimately, this case happened over a decade ago. And it's anyone's guess really what happened during those five hours the boys was missing. Yeah. After reading this, if, if, if I'm ever gifted with having more children, um, when I go camping, the kids will never leave my sight. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I I was planning on taking Caden, like, uh, hiking and camping in the, oh, this wilderness area. You know, hike six, seven miles back to a lake, camp along the lake. Let Caden bring in a friend so he can hang out with him. But now I'm like, uh, I was going to let him just go play, you know, do your thing, stay near, don't wander off too much. But now I'm like, well, fuck, <laughs> do I really want to let him do this? Right. I, I am worried about fucking around the wood, like, like going in the woods, taking a hike. Like, I mean, like, just cause anything can happen. You can roll your ankle, you know, take a fall get lost getting lost is i think one of my biggest fears yeah ever like getting lost in the woods like blair witch doesn't even scare me because of the fucking blair witch scares me because they get lost in the woods i think that is like one of the most high anxiety things ever i was just saying that you know we're talking about sorry i i just got a topic but go ahead <laughs> Well, I, I, I was going to say something and I lost it. So, <laughs> oh, so <laughs> I'm sorry, Jake. God damn it. <laughs> Second story here is a story that surrounds a 22-year-old man named Morgan Heimer. He was, uh, this was Morgan's first year out of uh, college, the University of Wyoming. And it was his first year as a tour guide for a company that canoed and kayaked up and down the Colorado River and a lot of its tributaries. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> on June 2nd, 2015, Morgan... It, that's the day Morgan went missing, you know? Yeah. While working, fuck. So, a group of four to five, of four or five, along with the tour guides, were floating down the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the Colorado River, like I said. About four days into the trip, they stopped at a place that had a small creek that flows into the Colorado River. Everybody gets out and walks up the creek a wow. few hundred meters. There's a waterfall that goes into a deep pond, <clears throat> which you know. That always makes me think of kids jumping off, you know, where the waterfall is coming from, swimming in the place. You know, really VHS part one, VHS the first movie style, right? Uh Uh-huh. They do that, and, you know, 
after a few hours, they go back. Everybody had fun, you know, swimming, jumping, all that shit. And so they were heading back to the, the kayaks, canoes, so they could head back down river. Everybody's heading back to the canoes, kayaks. Uh-huh. And uh, Morgan was walking back behind everybody. Uh-huh. Um, he's wearing a life preserver, has a water bottle in his hand. People are talking back and forth with him. You know, he's not really far behind him. He's maybe just a few feet. Yeah. And they come up to the creek, which at this point of the year, the creek was, you could basically walk across the creek and only have water come like right up to the bottom of your ass cheeks. Right. So the group crosses the creek and get to the canoes, kayaks. So it's only roughly about 200 yards. And somewhere right before, somebody's seen them right before they crossed the creek uh-huh. and they crossed the creek and they looked back and he wasn't there like i said the creek there wasn't like it was really shallow and there wasn't a heavy flow of water <clears throat> there was no splashing in the water you know when it would have been him crossing yeah so the group first thing the group did they realized he wasn't there they started looking around that area you know yelling his name you know, trying to find, they went back up to the, oh, they have the waterfall and all that, you know, really trying. Right. When they couldn't find Morgan, they used their satellite phone and called the National Park Service. Uh, the National Park Service got out there, it was later in the evening. Um, I think by this time, the light, it was starting to get sundown, right? Yeah. And when they, when the National Park Service got out there, it was like maybe 10, 11 o'clock at night, maybe 12. So immediately, they, the National Park Service brings everybody out there and they search for the um, Morgan for two days. Yeah. And they didn't find him. They didn't find any, uh, like, they didn't find any clue that he went, he backtracked. Yeah. Like, no footprints, nothing left back that way. And the search they did was extensive. Right. Morgan was never found. Wow. Morgan went missing in the Grand Canyon, which is in... Fuck, I can't pronounce the county. It's like Coconino County. Mm -hmm. Coconino. I kept wanting to say Cocachino County. Arizona. Jake, what part of this makes you think this is a weird story? Uh, whenever you talk about, for one thing, it's adults. Yeah. It, it, it's not kids. Um, you didn't, you didn't mention anything of like, like a sign of struggle, like any like screams or yells. Um, and the fact that just the disappearance within an instance and I, I, the body wasn't recovered? No. No, it's weird. So, the body wasn't recovered, and he's still up on the Can-Am, uh, the Can-Am page. There's another page he was on. Oh, yeah. But, like, he's still missing. 
Yeah, that's <clears throat> crazy. So, like you said, what really fucking gets me is the fact that no one heard Morgan scream, grunt, or make any fucking weird noises. No struggle yeah. noises. Right. So if somebody's like, oh, maybe he was uh, kidnapped. If you're kidnapped, you're going to fucking kick your legs, make any noise possible. Because yeah. remember, he was only like a few feet behind him. Let me tell you that the canyon walls around that area are really steep, so you can't traverse that. He couldn't have left that way. And the people didn't see him walk off that way. Right. You know, like I said, there was no sign of him walking back. There was no noises, nothing. But that's really fucking common in these. Um, There's a guy that wrote an article for the Huffington Post. I believe he is sort of uh, higher up in the MUFON organization. After reading a few of the David Politis uh, stories, he wrote an article in the yeah. Huffington Post, like I said, uh, titled, what is it like? I remember reading it. Don't be in the back of the line. Or something like that. You're not safe if you're in the back of the line. Just because this is such a common occurrence. Right. Because nobody sees uh, I mean, There's been lots of stories where people. Yeah. You know, tell somebody, go ahead. I'll be up there in a minute. And they stop and tie their shoe. And other people keep walking. And the people just disappear. That's true. You hear that a lot. Honestly. Like, like I mean, that's. Now that you kind of like mentioned that. I never even thought about that. Usually when people go missing. It's either because they went too far ahead or they fell too far behind. And those are the people that, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Which, that's a fucking scary-ass trend. I'm, yeah, it is. I'm lazy. I'm not going to go out there and walk, you know, be up in front. My ass is right. going to be in the back. It won't be, like, really far in the back, but I'm going to be a few feet sitting back there, you know, whistling. <clears throat> enjoying it. Right. So, so... Last story we'll tell. I think the last story. Yeah, so the last story we'll tell is perhaps more of a well-known, but it makes it no less eerie. A case that revolves around a Canadian firefighter named Danny Philippidis. Philippidis? Philippidis? Yep, I'm butchering that name. Filipino. <clears throat> yep, Danny Filipino. <laughs> yep, there you go. In 2018... He went on a ski trip with some friends to Lake Placid in New York State. That's also the same Lake Placid that had a giant alligator. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Was Bill Pullman there? Yes. Yeah. Betty White was feeding it. Yep. <laughs> nice. So they spent the day skiing without incident. And at 2 p.m., they are getting ready to head back to the cabin. But Danny told them that he had to go retrieve his phone from the car, then he'd catch up with him. Mm-hmm. It would have only taken a few minutes, but Nanny would never arrive back to the cabin. Okay. So after a few hours of waiting and calling his cell phone with no answer, the friends became really worried. And a search was mounted, but basically it seemed like Danny dropped off the face of the earth. Yeah. Nearly a week later, Danny's wife claimed that she had gotten a call from him, but stated that his voice had seemed faint and incoherent before he hung up. She would call the number back and talk to him again, but he seemed confused and unsure of even where he was. This had been the first tip to come in, and police acted on it. 
Uh-huh. The police finally managed to track him down. And when they found him, he was all the way across the country in Sacramento, California. Thousands of miles away from where he had last been. Oddly still dressed in his full skiing gear. What? And with a haircut and a new iPhone. What? Strangest of all is that he could not remember anything on how he came to be where he was. It is suspected that perhaps he'd fallen down while skiing and suffered a head trauma, putting him in a daze and giving him, giving him amnesia. Uh-huh. But as how he got to California and where he got the phone and the haircut, no one knows. He's like, a fucking Expedia. <laughs> <laughs> they get you going. They're not joking around. <laughs> the closest lead anyone has gotten is that um, he can sort of remember a truck at some point passing through Utah, but what connection this is to anything, or even if it's a real memory, it's not known. So that's basically it for the 411 in this episode. Uh, before we continue off of that, sorry, I know you're getting ready to conclude. Uh, I wanted to mention two things. I first wanted to ask you, what is your theory on this? On 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 the 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 stories you've told, the accounts you've you've spoken about. What is your opinion of what this might be? I have no fucking clue, dude. Honestly, I don't know. Um, the Mount Shasta thing's really weird. And I don't think it is the kid having an overactive imagination. Mm-hmm. Just because the kid came back and recalled the same thing a year and a half later. Yeah. And the fact that Grandma had that weird issue. And Grandma's friend, you know. Yeah. Seen the eyes in the woods and had the same thing happen to her. Yeah. There's also one about a hunter, like a bear hunter, too. That's quite disturbing. Go ahead. What's that? You can go ahead and tell if you want to. Well, from what I remember about it, this hunter went missing. And, like, it was weird. Like, his body was, like, he he was dead. But he was found, like, what we talked about, like, his clothes were off and folded. But he had, like, pieces of his body, like, missing. Like odd, like like his teeth and stuff, like certain oh, yeah. teeth, like that shit. Weird. Yeah, he was found around a river. Um, yes, like in a really hard place to get to. Yep, and his parts were found in other places. Yeah, once again, like I said about the Boy Scout thing, like what the like what is this? Like, like my like I'm with you. It's hard to come up with any sort of theory that a logical theory, but. Yeah, the whole teleportation thing is wild itself. But it's like, what the what's happening to these people? No, oh, yeah, it's almost like they're getting plucked right, right up. You know, yeah, without people knowing. Because, like I said, a lot of them happen when people are behind the other people. They're within ear. You know, they can hear what's happening. They can. They're within two or three feet. And they turn back around and the person's not there. And there's no signs of them being there. Yeah. Or running away. There's no noises. 
yeah. Like I said, this is going to be a fun series we work through. Yeah, no, and I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to tell too much because I know you want to come back on this one. This is a really good. Uh, so I, I hope I'm back for the next one you talk about. So, but uh, yeah, what a, I mean, if you're listening to this right now, <laughs> please go. I mean, if if you're interested, go go check out the David Politis stuff because it's. I think it's fascinating, not in a good way. I think it's disturbing. Art Bell interviewed him on uh, Midnight in the Desert, mm-hmm. and it was a really good interview. It was really good. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's one of the scarier things. That sort of lines up with you know, you know, Bigfoot. Was it Bigfoot? Because there's been some sightings where like a little girl said uh, a a creature that looked like a really tall bear picked her up, took her back to a cave or like a, an area, like a shelter and like kept her warm for a few hours. And then they found her in an area, you know, where they had searched a few, like 10 or 12 times Uh over the course of a day. You know, it's shit like that. There's, there's something behind it. I just, we can't put our fingers on it. We don't know what the fuck it is. Right. And if we're not given all details, like say of investigations that take place, you know, it's sort of like humping a doorknob. Yep. Which Jake knows a lot about. Oh yeah, I've uh, I've I've seen my good share of doorknobs. <laughs> so, hopefully, you guys like this episode. Um, we ended up recording without Skylar because Skylar had to do something with work. You know, big fancy man. Hopefully you listen all the way through. Like us. Follow us. We're on, well, basically anywhere there's uh, like a major podcast hub. Um, Spotify, Google, Apple Podcast. We also have a Facebook account. We have a TikTokers. We have an Instagram account. All at the Lunchpail Boys. Um, Shit. We also have an email. It's lunchpellboys at gmail.com. Email us if you want to see Jake's dick pics, okay? If you'd like to see what Bigfoot feet look like, we can find them. It's it's not as great as it sounds. Yeah. And if you want a subscription to Jake's OnlyFan, email us with $10. We'll set it up. Once again, not as great as it sounds. Well, you know. Uh, a Bigfoot-like creature sitting there doing the meat spin for about 30 minutes. Yeah. You haven't lived till you've seen that. Yeah, maybe maybe you don't want to live after you see that. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> but, uh, Jake, thanks for coming on, dude. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure, my friend. And thanks for listening, guys. Go fuck yourself. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>